Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're also on BitChute. And the safe ones go on uh, YouTube because my uh, Awakening YouTube channel got uh, removed, but uh, I've got my personal channel that I got a few of them up. I'm also a podcasting coach because I've got four other podcasts. You'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. My guest today is actually something very important because it's something I'm doing myself. He's, he's the author of the, the Family Flywheel, Aaron Shelley. Please welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for letting me come on your show, Roy. I really appreciate it. No problem. So I suppose before we start, you might just let the audience know who's Aaron. All right. So yeah, who am I? I, I got an undergraduate mechanical engineering. Then I got an MBA because I found out that good engineers with crappy business people make for failed businesses, not for good businesses. So went and did that. Then I worked for a company called Ancestry.com in the genealogy space. Uh, very interesting stuff there. Worked for a startup. Um then I I did some other startup stuff, working with companies. I actually helped a guy write a book on entrepreneurship levels in family, um, doing research in why family structures can affect entrepreneurs. Like if you have certain uh, underlying family structures, it'll make it easier for you to launch your business. In the course of that, the uh, I kind of wrote started my book. I said, hey, I want you to write this model. He said, nope, that's your book. So... Then I had to write a book. Uh, it took me about five years to actually get it published because I was working as a tech executive in a SaaS company that helped construction people. So I was able to take a step back after we raised about $50 million there. So now I'm in this mode of trying to publish this work and get it out there and kind of work through these ideas. And kind of a byproduct that whole time since I was in college 20 years ago, I've been running an Irish dance school uh, with my wife. So I don't do Irish dance. I just do all the other stuff around it to support her. And is, is your wife Irish? How come you came around? Because I saw that, that you're doing the Irish dancing for 20 years. Just to... Yeah, she, yeah, she, she had, we think she had some Irish relatives. And so she got connected and then she would did it as a young child. Then she actually got pulled in through the university who wanted to teach it. And river dance just came out. I'm sure you're familiar with that. It was a big thing. And so she kind of, we kind of rode that wave and she was the only certified teacher in Utah. So that was just a, a good opportunity to strike. No, brilliant, brilliant. No, fantastic. And um, yeah, like before we delve into the book, you mentioned ancestry. So that's something, is that kind of the DNA system as well that they get to swab and you get it? Or how, how does that ancestry Platform. Yeah. So when I did it, I was actually working with a lot of extracting the data from records, from these old records. So that's actually what a part of the system I was. And then we actually did an IPO and then we did DNA after that. So essentially we, we have all these trees you've built out. And then as people swab, then they can figure out where they, they fit in, which has honestly been quite interesting. I've heard of a number of people who found out that their parentage wasn't what they assumed or they had cousins that they didn't know about. So there's a lot of very interesting things that I think are underneath the covers if you actually look at the DNA. So it's kind of fascinating. Oh, yeah, and like I've heard a lot of people that say that there's Scottish and Irish goes back, but majority it tends to originate in Africa. Is that true? That we, we, we all, or are that just someone throwing that out there? Well, I've seen it. I've seen it's it's been rough. I mean, the DNA stuff, all they're looking for is some convergence, right? Of when the DNA, you're looking at uh what is it? You have uh it's the the Y chromosome and mitochondrial DNA from the mother. That's kind of the two ways they trace it, I believe. And so you're really just looking at where they saw certain variations appear. So you can't definitively go back. It's really just seeing the relationships. Although I have seen, there was one book, I think called The Seven Daughters of Eve or something where it was tracing all of humanity back to kind of seven women. So there's some evidence of that, but I've heard, I've actually heard lately that they, they think that they have older DNA coming out of, or older stuff coming out of the Europe region than they did Africa. But I'm not an expert there. But just, it yeah, seems like a, every year it changes what's going on and what they what we knew. Yeah, and I heard uh, there's 23 and me is is another big one. And then I didn't do it myself. I know one of my cousins got it because my fear is that are you giving your DNA in the wrong hands? Because I I know what they can do with frequencies and everything. And just curious on your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I've thought I haven't done the DNA stuff. It is interesting giving them essentially your genetic code. And then if, oh, we could go 
who knows what they'll be able to do at some point, replicate it. Then you're at a crime scene. Like there's so much weird things that you just look at. So I, I generally am like, ah, I don't, I know who my ancestors are. I know where I come from. So there's not much it's giving me, you know, if they did a lot of health stuff and then they could identify certain health risks, which I think they're getting closer. 23 and me was much closer to the health side of it. Maybe that would be interesting, but for me right now, it's not a high priority. Yeah, no, brilliant. So let's let's delve into the book because I mean, at the end of the day, it's the the, the family. Which, because we prior to recording, we were just talking about some of the craziness going on, and I don't think anybody needs to kind of all you have to do is open your window, and you kind of realize everywhere has gone a bit crazy. And to look for solutions, we have to look within. Because for me, it's like I know that I have to be the biggest inspiration for my child, and it's not what I tell him; it's what I do with him and what I show that that's how he's going to replicate what I'm doing. Because a lot of people, they kind of go, do this, do this, do this, and they do the opposite. So I suppose the journey of it, getting into it and the whole kind of breakdown of what, what you're doing, just delve in deep into it. Yeah, well, so I, when I was doing, I mean, I was kind of in business and I'd worked with startups, which are really, you know, what is the point of a startup? A startup is a, a little, it's a group of people who are trying to find enough money so they can survive, right? That's really what a startup company is. And you kind of look at a family and you go, what's the difference? A family is a small group of people, maybe just one person trying to figure out how they can get enough money or resources to survive. So I kind of like, oh, that, that looks the same. Okay. Then I looked at the resources that families have. Okay. They have financial resources like money, tools, and property. They may have social resources, their one-on-one -on -one connections, their relationships to groups, their brand. And then finally, they have their human resources, their time, their uh, health and their abilities. And I'm like, these are the exact same uh, things that he, the businesses have, right? A business has a set of abilities. It's got a set of, it's got the time of the whole group. It's got social connections. It's got a brand. It's got marketing and sales, which are working on that. So I just looked at this whole picture and I'm like, this looks exactly the same for a, a business as it does a family. And then from there, I said, well, if that's the choice, well, what's, what's the difference between a good business and a bad business? I mean, you've been in business, right? You've, you're trying to build it up. So you look at that and go, what's the difference between this good business and bad business? And you go, it's really just the decisions on how they use the resources in that business model. It's, well, if I have money, do I go hire someone or do I go buy a property or do I go spend it on meals and lunches, right? That, that business model is the thing that's kind of making the decisions. And then if you break down a business model, You've got the strategy of it, you know, what it's trying to do, what its mission is, goals in life, essentially, for a human. What are the structure? You know, it's just a very top-down organization, kind of like Walmart would be a top-down, you know, or or bureaucratic organization. Or is it Google, which has a very, uh, very few managers and a lot of freedom? And then what kind of culture does it have? I mean, we see this in different countries. There's very different cultures. Americans, highly individualism, individualistic. You know, a lot of the places in the East are very conformance driven. So you just, and then you look at companies, Google is very much about freedom. Walmart is very much about, you need to be on time, get stuff on the shelves, right? So you really just see those two different uh, business models for companies, but then you look at families, it's the same way, right? Am I going to choose to live with my parents? Have my parents live with me? Have my children? That's a structural question. Is it okay to steal from other people? What are the cultural values I have in my family? And what are our beliefs, right? Do I believe the world's coming to end, you know, it's going to crap? Or do I believe it's, you know, some people will say when there's blood in the streets, it's a great opportunity. <laughs> you know, like it's it's how you believe in your culture that, that has big effects. And then your strategies, well, how are you going to, what are you going to do? What do you think your mission and goal is? So you take those three things together and that's really the the business model of a family that is driving success or failure. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you were saying that, I was kind of looking at, because I'm aware, and I mean, it's it's kind of public knowledge of a load of startups that raise massive money, and then they just blow it as if like they get the Maserati, they just get massive mansions and they spend it. And that's kind of similar to the family when the father or the mother, the family is rich and they give it to the kids who never earned it and they just kind of blow it. And it's kind of very similar how that happens. Yeah, exactly. Because if you look at a business, a business is successful how it uses the resources. The business model is the creator or the engine that creates all that wealth. So if you don't have a good engine, 
and you take a bunch of money and throw it into the engine, it's just going to burn it. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about in families is if you don't teach your children a good business model and you don't have a good business model, then they'll not, they won't be successful. And I think that's essentially what we're seeing a lot in society. There's been a big push culturally, at least in the West. I don't know exactly where you're at, but in, in the U S it's a big entitlement push. Well, I deserve this and you need, I need this. And, and it's in a victim narrative a little bit. Like I was taken advantage of, so I deserve this. Well, these people did this in the past. Therefore I deserve this. Well, if you're, if you have an entitlement narrative, that means you're kind of a victim. You're waiting for someone else to give you something. And if you think about that in business, imagine going into business and then you're saying, I'm just waiting for my customers to come to me. I'm just waiting. And the only reason they're not coming is because they suck because they're bad. That business goes out of business very, very quick, right? Because it's blaming other people for its problems. And I'm sure as you've seen with your multiple podcasts and all your work, it's about you putting in the effort. That's the only way you're going to get successful. And you going, oh, that didn't work. Great. I got to change my behavior. And you, you talked about uh, before we the podcast, how much you read, like 100 books a year, right? You're trying to figure out how does the system work? How do I tweak things to be successful, right? That's super important. And that seems to be a strong part of your culture, which is probably why you've been fairly successful in life, right? So that's the type of stuff you're looking at. Like, what are your places in your culture? You're obviously have an, a belief that learning and being an actor is important. Otherwise, you wouldn't do those things. But our current narrative that we're pushing is very much victimhood. You know, like someone took something from you or your your family thousands of years ago and now you need to get try to get it back. Yeah. And like I I'm 50 now, so I grew up in the 70s. And like in our neighborhood, it was like normally you had one stay-at-home parent, normally the mother and mm -hmm. the father, and that was enough, just one working. Whereas if the craziness has gone on the world now, I hear of people having three jobs, and it's like, whoa, this is sad. But what I have seen, I don't know if it's similar in America, but I've seen it a lot in Europe is it's kind of changed roles that the father now takes more of an interest in the children and the mother wants to be out drinking and just doesn't really care as much. And I don't know, is that the same in America? But I definitely have witnessed a lot of that. And, you know, you see that the rights, they, they still have the rights for all the mother, but it's not necessarily the person that's got the child's best interest at heart. Yeah, it's, well, it's it's been interesting. This is where we've kind of had this ideological push where it's like, and then this is kind of what I go back to these resources, right? You have financial resources, social resources, and human resources. Well, who should be investing in those resources, right? In a company, it's obvious. Marketing people invest in social resources. The salespeople, they're also investing in those relationships and trying to make money. There's different roles, essentially. And essentially, the, the new thing has been, hey, for a lot of people like women, you should go, you should go focus on making money. And so then I think you have the women focused on money. And I think men generally are focused on money because most of the time, if you don't have money as a man, then women aren't interested in you, right? It's pretty basic mechanic here. But now we have both people just investing in for financial returns, right? And if all you're doing is investing for money, you're not investing in, in your social connections, which as a society, those are investing in your schools, investing in your children, investing in the relationships with your spouse, right? Investing in those type of things. Where's your time there? And so when we neglect that, and then if you, you know, especially with COVID, now everyone's like, I feel alone. I don't feel connected. I feel like we're all separate. Well, yeah, that's because everyone's so focused on money. No one is focused on the connections in our society anymore. And that's where I think we're having a lot of this breakdown. We're also, you know, people generally are becoming less, um, they're not going to church as much. They're not involved with other groups as much. Well, that used to be a big social connection, right? I've had places, I've, I'm involved with the church and there's times when I have hard times or I need some work done and people will come and help me from my church, maybe that I never even met, but they're like, oh, you're part of our group. Therefore, part of our tribe, as some people like to say, and I'll go help you. But people are kind of extricating themselves from a lot of groups now. So now you're looking at that from a business standpoint, like, oh, now people are saying, don't do sales and marketing in this business and it'll be fine. No, it'll be a disaster. And it's the same in our families. If we're under investing in 
those social connections, it's going to destroy the family. It's going to destroy our societies broadly, which feels like a little bit what we're seeing. And like, just as you mentioned that, I like to say the different cultures, what I've noticed is in Ireland, if I was at doing a, a, in a gym or doing a course or doing training, Kung Fu or what, people were getting to know each other, connect with each other, had each other's backs. I do a back exercise there. So I go to the gym. You'd get the nod. There is no interaction with anybody. And it's like, I, I find it so strange because in Ireland, we'd all be kind of, you'd meet the person again. This, I'm doing this, I don't know how many months, six, seven months. And there's a lot of people, the same people there. I mean, the odd guy, I'll, I'll say hello and he come up, shake her. But that's it. And it's like, nobody's interacting. And it's strange to see that when I grew up where everybody would know each other and they've got each other's backs, basically. Yeah, no, it's, it's exactly. We've kind of, the social norms have changed. I mean, we've seen this in the dating world too with the Me Too movement where people are like, women are like, well, you can't talk to me now. Well, then how are we supposed to talk? How are we supposed to get these together? So it seems like we're adding layers of friction into these social relationships. Whereas before, you know, you'd go up and talk to someone and they'd go, well, that was kind of weird, but that was interesting. And a lot of times you see, you, I, I would see the guys who would be out outreach and I'd go, well, it's cool that they, they were more socially interactive. I enjoyed that conversation. So I think it's it's a little bit where we're kind of getting pushed to live in our own own worlds and do our own thing, but then we're we're having mental health problems, which are a symptom of having no social connections, right? We're we need to be in a tribe. We need to have a group. And if we don't have a group, we feel nervous. We feel we have these mental health problems. And I think we're seeing that in our society where as our society is breaking down and becoming more inward focused and more focused on the phone, now we're seeing more people, oh, I need to have a drug to make me feel better. Well, you're depressed because you're not having social interaction and you're a human and we need it. So then you're taking a pill, a, a pill to a, alleviate the symptom of not having enough social interaction. So I, I think that so much of it is just, it's like in, if it's in a business, if you only invested in one side of the business, it just wouldn't work. And you kind of need to have your, 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 you know, in the podcast world, you need to have more guests, then you need to have more podcasts, then you need, you'll start to, the flywheel effect of that getting stronger. And, oh, the more people I have on, the more people want to be on, the more people want to be on, the better the people I can get. You know, you can get into this flywheel effect where it gets better and better. But I think so few people are actually investing. They're, they're either going home from their work and going, I'm going to get on Netflix and watch the latest show alone. And we don't even have TV shows. Remember, I remember when I was younger, in the 80s, we would all watch kind of the same TV show and go, then we'd go to school and go to work. Hey, do you remember what that happened? Oh, that's amazing. And we'd all be on the same cliffhanger. Well, now we're all in different places. We're all kind of living in our own separate worlds. And I think that's kind of the, the issue to your point. Like even at the gym, we'll all be together, but we'll all still be alone. Exactly. Exactly. And I I know that uh, you, you mentioned, um, I don't know, was it in a book or something that I read, but about... Uh, your friends as you grew up so i think maybe it might have put you into your thought process or what you're doing but i think it's kind of relevant so you may touch on that yeah so when i was younger i grew up in this neighborhood there was when we went i would literally play sports every day it was football or baseball we had about i don't know i've got 10 boys all we'd be in we were into the same school we went to the same church we all had about the same amount of money so all of the normal factors that people would say cause different outcomes were kind of there they're, i mean they were they were everything was the same so you'd say oh we're going to be successful well about i think it was about 10 years ago i got a letter from my mom and she said one of the guys that i'd been to school with played football with went to church with lived in my neighborhood he was going to prison for life for rape and attempted murder and i was like wait a sec <laughs> i get divorce divorce had become very common but then that outcome was so big i was like what happened to him and and i just so that's kind of where the obsession of where where did he get taken off this path because i have four children and i didn't want my kids to go down that path where they suddenly need to get put into <laughs> be incarcerated because we can't trust you in society and so that's really where I became focused on what are the factors and what had happened. And you see this, the flywheel effect, as I call it, you know, you get, you, you could look at compound interest with money. I, I have money. I invest it. I make more money. I invest the money 
I leave the money and then I have my extra money and I keep doing that. And this becomes richer and richer. But if you do that in the social world, if you get some bad friends, then those bad friends are going to make you do bad things and introduce you to more bad people. And it's actually going to be a death spiral, right? So the inverse of a flywheel is a death spiral, call it in business, where you're losing more and more resources. And that's kind of what I think he got caught up in. He got involved in drugs. He didn't, you know, he had some mental health issues because of his some of the things that happened with his family. And then you know, make some very poor decisions that we go, eh, no, you can't be in society. So that's where I see there's this, these big, I don't think most people realize the influence they can have on their families, especially as men. There was a book I just recently read called The Boy Crisis. And it was talking about if, if, a, if, a, if a boy doesn't grow up with a father, his IQ is 15 points lower. And I had go, and there's like 50 other things that come out of that. And so, and that's not just if he doesn't grow up, it's if the dad's always away, because you'll see that too. Well, the dad's always working, never spends time with his kids. You're having all these negative outcomes. And there's a like a whole bunch for women as well. If they, if a child grows up without a mother, well, now when we're seeing this big push towards, to your point, we got to have money. We got to have two or three jobs. I kind of question those things because I go, do you really need that many jobs? Do you really need that much money? Do you really need to live where you're living? Is this, you know, some people I have live two in this, cars. Yeah, I've got two cars. I live in New York. Or I do these things. I have to do this. No one's making you do this. You just think that this, this rep, this represents success or status. So I think it's, it's a kind of like there's, we've been sold a little bit, this false dream that here is, you know, the more, if you have super, a ton of money, that's great. And the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, I really like that book because he talked about here's how money works. You know, you buy assets, you you get income, you get cash flow, then you buy more assets. You can do this flywheel. But I think a lot of people have been sold money. And, and in that book, he talks about, I didn't want money. I wanted financial freedom, right? I want the ability so I don't have to work and I can choose what I want to do. Well, if you never, if you go to some of these big cities and you buy into this, narrative then you're going to be in the same place like i have to keep making more oh i have a job offer over you know i need to move for that well if you move you're going to rip apart all of your social connections right if everyone's moving all the time all of our social connections are constantly being ripped apart so you might have more money but now once again you have very low social connections so that's where i like this idea of making a holistic like if you're what are your real financial goals if it's, you know, to be like Elon Musk, you'll never be there. He's sorry. He wins $200 billion is pretty, it's hard to beat. If you look at social goals, I mean, with me and my family, those relationships are more important to me than more money, right? So I say, I want strong relationships. That's one of the trade-offs I'm willing to make. Um, and so therefore I'm spending my time there instead of just working. And then what do I want for my health? Am I, am I investing in my physical health? Am I investing like you do in your brain in learning new abilities? Am I using my time effectively? All those things, there's like really three classes, financial, social, and human goals that we should be focused on and looking at instead of just, no, it's all about money. That makes sense? Well, absolutely. And I mean, just a few things that you've touched there, because, you know, you mentioned that you're kind of getting away when people are moving around, they're getting away from their group. And I know a load of, they call them nomads that are basically living, you know, online and they're everywhere and they're, they're posting all the different things and the stuff like I have the life of my dreams. But as you're following them and just because I know them, they're really depressed, a lot of these people, because they don't have the connection. They're like in a group that's like, let's party, party, let's go to the different things. But the reality is they don't have that connectedness that you'd get from family and true friends. Yeah, well, and that's and that's one thing, especially with with men, there is a most men will say, yeah, I'm introverted. I just I like to do my own thing. But as soon as you're like, yeah, but let's play a sport. Oh, okay, let's get them all together. Oh, let's, we need, we need to do this video game. It requires a bunch of people. Okay, let's get together. Men just tend to be, they want to band together to accomplish goals. And that's the thing that I've seen is men don't tend to make relation, tend to make relationships as easy, new relationships as easy. We don't tend to, you know, go and talk to everyone and get to know them and then feel like we can trust them. 
because that's male men relationships tend to have a lot of trust that that we want in them you know can i tell this guy can i expose my family to this person you know this guy's in this financial state do i want to go bring him into my house ooh i have my kids ooh do i want to expose my wife and kids to potentially getting hurt by this person so there's this this very high level of trust that i think men are looking for in relationships which when you're young and you build all these people, you're like, I know how this guy is because I've known him for 15 years, right? I know how he's going to act. I can trust him or I can't trust him. But that's the place where we're, we, with everyone moving around for money and displacing themselves, now we don't have those trusting relationships. And as men, I think we don't, we're able to accomplish less, right? I mean, one of the, the two of the jobs I've got I've, I've, I've gotten because I just stayed in the same area and then people were coming up to me, Hey, you're, you're now available or do you want to come do this? And I was like, yeah. And they've worked out really well. So for me, the social connections have been there, but that's partially been because I did an Irish dance business, have a studio behind my house. So I can't just move houses super easy. So it wasn't necessarily intentional at the time to maintain those social connections, but it's just been a byproduct. Brilliant. And like I've, I've always kind of paid attention to kind of the same, like on the road, I was similar, lots of people, we used to hang around together, go play games and everything. But I saw how like one guy ended up in prison, few alcoholics, another guy died from a drugs. And just seeing that when you know that, like we had the same upbringing as such, like, you know, it's weird to actually look at that. And and then if you kind of go to what happens now, I mean, unfortunately, the child is in the pram, they're handing them a phone or they're buying them the expensive little, you know, remote car and all these different things. Whereas for me, I'm like, everything is about playing. I bought, you mentioned Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Porter. I've got uh, the cash flow game and I play that with my son. My youngest child, he's nine and he loves it. I, I watch Shark Tank with him and I'm asking him, what do you think of this person? Would you invest in them? And like they're coming out and they're going, oh, I'm looking for 100,000 for 10, my 10%. And he's telling me, yeah, it's worth a million. So he's even doing the math because I'm trying to get him to do the math. But unfortunately, uh -huh. most people, they're just turning on something. And even they think with the cartoons, unfortunately, a lot of the cartoons are demonic. Like when you actually take off a few layers, you go, like, I'm totally conscious of what he's looking at. I'm watching it. And I'm like, you have to pay total attention like, I know who my child's best friends are in school. And, and most people, they can tell you what a batting average of a baseball star is, the whole team and everything. They don't even know their their child's date of birth. Never mind their friends, who their friends are. Yeah, no, I think it's it's interesting. You Like you mentioned the cash flow game. I love that game. That was actually my introduction. And I was like, now I understand money. And I've played it with my kids, right? It's but it's it's like you're saying <clears throat> what you're doing is you're investing your time in your children right and that's and that's one of those places where it's not obvious right if you went and invested your time and money you're like great now i have ten thousand dollars in the bank oh now i have eleven thousand dollars you can always see your investment it's hard to see your investment in your child child's relationship right if you don't make deposits you don't see your bank account going down if you you know but you may see his behavior getting worse and that's another thing that I've seen is so many kids now are in therapy, right? I need to go to therapy. And I'm like, well, what is therapy? It's kids who are talking about what happened in their lives and trying to make sense of it. Well, well that's what parents used to do. You used to, your kids would come home from school. My mom, I'd talk with her. She'd say, oh, you got kicked in the face or you failed a test or such and such happened. And then she would help me go through that. And same with my dad, you know, I'd have things and he'd go, he'd help me out there. Well, now with the parents who either A, aren't doing that, or they don't have time to, it could be legitimately, they just, you know, they have to work so hard to sustain themselves. But a lot of them, it's making choices of not spending that time. So then you look at it and say, well, no wonder you need therapy. All the therapy is, is trying to train your child how to understand the world. And you haven't been teaching them that. And that's, and then you look down, you know, when you're, when your child is, 19 or 20 or 25 and now they're doing drugs alcoholic you know they're they've taken these different paths and you go well i wish i would have invested there well it's too late now you know you could have helped them through that time but instead you valued other things and that's really where i see this this pressure from society of pushing only for that one thing is so damaging because 
people aren't spending the time like you did with your son, teaching him how to learn, teaching him the context of math even, right? How much math did, did you or I learn? And I'm like, I don't even understand why I'm going to learn this, why calculus is needed, right? But then I had my dad and he's like, oh, well, here's how you'd use it in physics. And then when I got into college, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. But how much out of context learning do people have? But as a father and as a mother, if you invest in your kids, you can give them the context. You can tell them why it's important. And a lot of times, like you say, dragging them along in your thinking and with your activities is great because you're training them to think well. Like my dad was big into electronics, but he wasn't very good at actually teaching it to me because he was super focused. But what I'm doing now, because he's at, they're coming to visit me and um, I've got a lot of electronics. He's after buying an electronics kit for my uh, son, a soldering iron, soldering gun. And I'm after buying a few different things now that are they're about to be delivered. And the small little ones first, like a little helicopter thing, because I'm conscious that you can't kind of go here, build a radio because he'll switch off. And it's just like, building the different layers like because most people can't wire a plug and you know we're not we're, we're kind of losing the little skills and 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 the on the other side of the fence then with like the amount of tablets because you're saying that you know people go into therapy like especially in america i mean just the percentage of people the child is add add hd or whatever and they just yeah give them a tablet if you actually if the parents paid attention to actually what's in the tablet, the kickbacks that are going on, who's actually benefiting and the side effects mm -hmm. to this, they would never. And like, I remember when we went, we started at four, you just sit down, put your finger up to your mouth and cross your hands. No child at that age should be like that. The reason that they're hyper is because they're doing something that they're bored with and they get, if you take the child to do jujitsu, boxing, or do something or go play football, that child is a different child, but they don't, they just kind of look and say, you have a problem pop a tablet and the child is then branded and they're like, and they go through life like that. And then they have problems later. And it's a big chain reaction. And I, it's, that's not on the child. That's on the parents for actually just going, yeah, it's not my problem. The child, there's something wrong with them. Here you go. Well, yeah, this is, there's a, there's a couple of books there's that I've read called the female brain and the male brain. I don't know if you've read those very fascinating about the hormones that are going through us. They actually talk about, you know, we all know about puberty, but there's actually called something called infant puberty that everyone goes through. There's also changes in the womb. And then there's actually things that happen as we go through as a father, you know, as we as a dad, when you get married, your 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 testosterone will go down. And then as you have kids, your testosterone goes down a little more. And it's like there's these changes that are happening as byproducts that we don't understand. And and I think it's the same with kids. You look at a kid to your point who has ADHD. My mom took me to the doctor for that when it, before it was a big thing. And I think they just started to medicate. But my doctor said, I don't think it's right to medicate it. And I look at my career. My career has been, I like to hyper-focus on things. I love to understand things. When I get involved, I get involved and I can be in there for a long time. That's what they call some of the symptoms of ADHD, right? It's like, well, you're, you're hyper-focused. But then there's other points when I get into something, I'm like, I'm so bored. Why am I here? I did not like school. Right. I figured out ways to get through it, but it was like, oh, I'm so freaking bored. And this is where there's some interesting dynamics. And this is where it's like, you know, is it a conspiracy or is it just the fact where if you look at when you go into the school system as a young man, as a boy, boys just have more energy. I have three daughters and a son. They are not the same. Right? My son is like going off the walls, wasn't as articulate, didn't want to sit and write letters. He wanted to go do and and be active. But what's interesting is the vast majority, I think it's in the US, it's like 97, 98% of the young, the, the K through um, sixth grade teachers are all female. So you have all these women getting put with all these young boys who have all this energy, and they're trying to wrangle all these yellow little boys. They have a problem. They have too much energy. They're bored. They're, you're trying to sit them down. What boy wants to sit on his butt and 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 sit there and listen to someone for hours at a time especially when they're that age that energy was meant to explore and go and get focused on things and it's been kind of so now we have this difference where a lot of the women teachers are going these boys are not controlled they're not social they're yeah we know right this is <laughs> this is nothing new and yet then you go, take then they're like going to the school system maybe to medicate this boy so then he can sit there and for hours and hours at a time. And so it's this weird thing of 
why are we medicating what is actually natural and what has been natural? It's like we're becoming stupider in some ways about understanding the needs of boys and girls. And I, so I think there's these weird dynamics there that we should take into account, like who's educating our, our children? Do they know what's supposed to happen? And to your point with tablets, my feeling with all the medication is it's like, it's like driving down the, the road with your car and the, the gas light beeps at you and then you just put a sticker over it. The problem's still there. <laughs> You're just going to get hit later with this. It just the light doesn't affect you at night. <laughs> yeah. So so that's really where I see a lot of our our medication is I'm depressed. Well, you're depressed because you don't have relationships, right? I'm 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 overactive. This kid is overactive. Yeah, he's overactive because he's bored, right? One of the examples I talk about in the book, I moved to Russia um for 2 years, but I moved there in November. It was St. Petersburg, Russia, which is very far north. You don't see the sun for a long time, so you're not going to have vitamin D. If you go through all this you know, lack of light, it causes depression. I also didn't speak the language, so that's frustrating. And then I had weird food. You think I didn't feel depressed? You think I didn't feel sad? I felt depressed energy-wise because I was in a weird environment, low energy, low light. You think I didn't have like I didn't have problems. Yeah, I, I had anxiety. I couldn't speak the language. I felt like if I got lost, I'd freeze to death on the street. You know, <laughs> like there were all these things. And then it was, of course, those feelings were there. But instead of medicating me and saying, that'll take care of it, I learned the language. I got to know the culture. I figured out the food. And then frankly, the sun came back out and the anxiety goes away. The depression goes away. All those things, all of the emotions are signals of there's a problem and it, it's not that there's they're not there are not the problem the depression isn't the problem there's an underlying symptom and i think we keep treating symptoms rather than the underlying problems especially in our school systems i mean i've kind of had a few episodes on that and uh, i've even had because i i put the episodes on my own channel that I think will be okay now. And I had one exposing the education system and the unions and the, and they actually removed that. And it's like, why would they remove something like that? It's like, yeah, you know, you're actually, you're touching on the truth when they're, when they're removing something like that. It's like, well, I, well, and it's a hard thing because you look at it and go, well, who do I want to go work with a whole bunch of children? No, I'm more like, I like technology. So it's these weird dynamics I think at play where most, most teachers are women. That's because most women tend to be more nurturing. They tend to be more, they tend to enjoy that type of stuff. I did mechanical engineering and business. Like those two things are quite far from interacting with people, you know, quite often. And I'm like, I like things. So there's some dynamics there where I'm like, it's an interest. It's how we do things in our society, how we react to them. Because I mean, my own mom was a, a school teacher. And so it's this, it was interesting because she used all of her teaching on us as children. She homeschooled me for a year, right? So there's these interesting places where can she teach, you know, a few children better than she can a whole class? Yeah, especially as the class gets bigger. So I think there's these interesting challenges that we have in our systems where, hey, we want to teach children as cheaply as possible. So we make our classes bigger, which then makes it harder for teachers to actually teach. That's why I think it's even more important for us as parents just like you've done, spend time with your own children. <laughs> spend time teaching your own children what you want them to do. Right. Uh, unfortunately, people they look at the school as like a babysitting service. Yeah, it's your problem. No, and they don't even ask. I'm constantly asking. Well, thankfully, my son he's it's copying the Finnish system, so very creative, and they kind of they're allowed to kind of decide. I don't want to do this or do that, but they still get them to do a lot of reading and. I just love it. And I look at the kids and they're so much happier and creative as opposed to you must do homework. I mean, I look at my own when I grow, I was either top in the class or bottom. I mean, that's, that's kind of unusual. You're either all bad or very good. I was half top of the class and half the worst in the class. And it was like all the report. My mom kept all the report cards. It's like, oh, he's daydreaming. And, you know, it's all this like you're daydreaming because I was bored. But if that was no they'd have been ramming a tablet on my throat, right? Well, yeah, it's interesting. Even when I was in the engineering program at, at the university, when I started to become more interested in business, right? So it was funny to me, I would actually be in an engineering class reading a business book, 
and I'd get good, I do fine, I'd get good grades in both or in the engineering class, but I was like, I'm more interested in this. And frankly, the the speed at which you're giving to it to me is not so fast that I can't do something else. Right. So to your point, it's like, what are we interested in? Now I don't think you you can't fully do that, but I think most people want contextualized learning. Like, why am I learning this? If you're trying to teach me math, why not give me the problem instead of just trying to teach me the tool? And so that's where I think a lot of the times with a parent, you know, like, let's go learn how to wire a house. Well, we have to wire this. We have to go do this. And the kids can see how it's working and why I need to learn that. Then you can teach them about electricity. You can teach them about all sorts of things. But in our school system, a lot of times we're just teaching everything out of context, right? Like, and here's calculus. Well, what do I need calculus for? Well, we're just going to teach you how to do it. Here's derivatives. Here's integration. What? And so unless they have the problem, why are you giving them a tool to solve a problem they don't have? Right? That's that's where I think the school systems become a weird, a weird piece. And I think with family, a lot of times it's much more contextualized learning. Like you have your podcast. I don't know if you're teaching your kids about that. And here's how I do it. And here's what I look at. Right. It's it's where is that learning from the parents that's going to help the children actually be successful versus what's being pushed in a school system, which sometimes is relevant and sometimes is completely irrelevant. And sometimes it's just frankly, ideological indoctrination. Absolutely. And like I mentioned about the electronics. So my dad is saying, oh, he should learn the colors of the capacitors. So I was telling him, look, just from Richard of York gave a battle in vain, you know, for the colors. And I was telling my son, so he said, we're beaten. And then he's like, why would I bother learning that? I can just write it down and use it when I need it. And I just thought that was brilliant. And he was he was doing something recently, like a long multiplication and stuff like that. And there was a few other things. And I just asked him, I said, when will you be actually using that? And I said, ask the teacher when you'll actually need that. Because there's a load of times. And he's like, yeah, I don't, you know, because if I look back at a load of the things we had to learn, all the terms, yeah, I mean, if you're doing physics and stuff, there's different things, but you'll actually be attracted to them. You know, there's a percentage of people, but you don't have to force it because even now you see, like, some people just hate maths and they force it down their throat to make them do maths. But once they leave school, will they ever do maths? That's not their thing, but they could be a fantastic fashion designer or whatever they're into. And it's like, we have to make decisions. And I'm telling him, stand up. If you see something is silly, ask him, when am I going to use that? And make the teacher start thinking, you know, to just stand your ground, which we didn't do, but I think you kind of have to do that. Well, yeah, there's a place. It's it's the contextualized learning that you're trying to get to. And why do I care? And it's a, it's an interesting challenge for the teachers, because if you look at the teachers, they're like, the only reason I use it is because... It's I'm teaching book this class. and I must read this book. <laughs> that's that's what I found that was interesting. I, I had my kids, there's a lot of online resources that I, I I mentioned in the book as well, but it's like if you want to learn stuff, you can go online. There's there's places like Coursera or edX where they literally have Harvard classes or Stanford classes. You want to learn how to do those things, physics, and then they'll start to teach you. And those those professors are actually using the maths, those professors are using the sciences. And so you'll see this whole different level of excitement from those professors because they're actually learning it, using it. And that's where I've, I tried to push my kids. And I actually had a, there's a program with my kids are in where they go into the university two years earlier, essentially start taking classes and actually graduate halfway through the university when they finish high school. And I did that because they want I want to move them into the real stuff faster because so many things that are happening in the high school level is just the school. There's not people there who are researching it and so excited about this thing in math or this thing in science or this thing in healthcare. And that's where I found such a, a fun difference when my daughter, for instance, she went into um, anatomy and she's now a nurse and she was just like, oh, I love this. I love you know, going and working with cadavers. And I love all these things in the hospital now that she's working there. And I'm like, that's totally not me, but it got you there when you, I mean, she's, she's a nurse and she's, I think she got her degree when she was 21. So she was already a nurse. I'm like, I was still in school. 
<laughs> I was three years from graduating with my engineering degree, then another two. So it's we've kind of just keep piling on these layers without context. And so much of it can be accelerated and pulled forward. Right. So that's that's where I see a lot of it is us as our own families deciding what do our children need to learn? And I've been exceptionally involved in my children, what classes they take, what teachers they're taking it from, um, those type of things, because that's important to my my business model, right? As I call it in my family. And I want to help my kids like with my daughter. She's 22 now and she's married and she'll probably have kids in the next few years. And there's so many women who are like, I'm going to be a career woman. And then they find themselves at 35, not married, no children. And then biologically, it's much more difficult. So that's where I see these, like, you have to choose the life you want, because if you're, you're just letting the default life get pushed on you from society, from the different ideologies, I think you're going to end your life and be pretty miserable with the result. Absolutely. And like, with my, like my eldest daughter, she's 23. She's, um, she's a teacher in Abu Dhabi. And I remember when, when she was young, I was actually, I was saying, okay, you be the teacher now. Cause I bought a blackboard and a whiteboard. And I was asking her later, do you think that influenced her? But when she was deciding she wanted to do it, I was like, why don't you do business? And then I kind of stepped back and said, this is her life. And she loves what she's doing. And it was like, given the choice because they kind of they gear towards what they want but sometimes they don't have the opportunity and because she was young enough so i was 20 when i finished uh college so i was 17 when i went in there and we had full because it was a technical college i went to so it was full steam ahead you were doing like 30 40 mm -hmm. hours a week but what i've noticed is in a load of the universities it's like 10 hours a week and there's a load of floating around and they're not right like they're 20 even here like they get master's degrees they're 24 26 years of age and they can't even turn on a photocopier kind of thing, you know? It's like, and the whole education system is so bad for that level. I mean, like, I would personally prefer my son to go away and do a course that's just specific to learning something for two weeks or three months or something like that than doing four or six years. He would learn so much more. I, th I think the whole university is... I don't know. I've seen so many people and they didn't, they, they take an option. I'll just continue studying. And that's what their kind of role is go down the professor route or else they're lost. There's so many people I know they're not doing what they've studied or else they just, they go down a solicitor route or, you know, and they're miserable. It's like they've done it because mommy says it's a good job and I learn a lot of money. And that's the only reason they chose it. Nothing to do with their skill set or anything. And people have to kind of, yeah. it's like, it's, I, I thankfully, I, I didn't have that. But I had friends and their parents were pushing them in the direction of what they wanted with no interest in how the child cared for what they'd done. And then they're kind of, like, life is resentment because of that. Well, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting challenge as a parent, right? Because you want your child to be successful, but you also want them to like their life. They want, you know, if you if you don't choose your your own life choices, then you're not going to be happy with them down the road. And so I think the dilemma is parents, this is for me, there's kind of this, these three things you need to look at a, what do they like as a kid? B what can make money in society and C what is going to match their lifestyle choices or their, their, the life they want, right? Do they want to be a mother? Do they want to have a family? Do they want to, um, what, what what type of goals do they have in that direction? Well, what can they make money? My daughter, for instance, she went into nursing because it was either nursing or becoming a doctor. Well, if you become a doctor, you're on that path until you're usually in your 30s in the U.S., in which case most women and my, my brother-in-law is a, a doctor. And he said most women get through the doctor degree and then they immediately go part time and try to have children because they know what did they learn? It's harder for women as they get older to have children. It's harder for them. And so you're like, well, then they get done and they're like, oh, now I have to do this. Why are you making those life choices? Is it just because, like you say, someone pushed you into it? Because there were a lot of people who tried to push my daughter, become a doctor. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? She's like, that's not my path. So it's a lot of society is trying to push people, especially women, go become a doctor, go become a a technical CEO, go, go be great and make lots of money. But a lot of women are like, well, why, what is that? That's not what I want with my life. So I think it's a very interesting thing where 
it's it's trying to understand the consequences of your choices. And that's really where I, I wrote the book. There's nothing in my book that's talking about here is the right way to do it, right? Because if you look in business, Google, they do advertising model and they do search. Then you have Walmart that does a, you know, hey, we're selling products. They have a totally different model. You have Facebook, you've got Apple. All these companies have different models on how they're going to make money, what they do with it. There's no right answer. It's just if you're unaligned, then you go out of business, right? And that's really, I think what's happened is in, in the business world, it's obvious, but in the family, it's the same. Well, what do you want out of life? And do you understand all the consequences of the choices you're making? And so my whole book is just trying to say, here's the system. Now make good choices because I really feel like most people are trying to make the best choice possible given what they think are options. But my book is essentially trying to expand that out and say, here's other options and here's other ways to look at your family because in, in a family, if you look at the, like my wife and I in Irish dance, it's clear. I do all the technical stuff. My wife does all of the teaching and dealing with all the students, right? And, but that pairing is great because we both have complementary skill sets. And if you look in a family, that's the same type of thing you want. You want complementary skill sets where he maybe wants to make the money and she wants to make the children and also deal with the community and build those social connections. That's a good combination, right? But if you get in, in a business, if you said, you know, you and I want to go into business and I say, I want to be the sales guy. And you say, I want to be the sales guys too. Well, who's going to make the freaking product? No one. Okay. We go out of business, right? Or if I, you know, anytime there's this big overlap, there's going to be problems. So we're looking for complementary skill sets in our family and we're looking for those in business. And if you find a good complementary skill set, you actually have pretty awesome synergies. Does that make sense? No, absolutely, absolutely. And it's like, because one thing that I, I'm kind of conscious is, I, used to, I was, there was a thing called the Wheel of Health, I believe, years ago. I thought it was kind of broken into all the different things. And now it's like a thing called Life Book that I recently redone. And it's kind of looking at gym, character, personality, family, the whole lot of them. But you're tracking everything because, as you said, like we all know the guy that's super successful, he doesn't know his kids and his kids don't want to know him, but they're just happy when he's paying them. And it's the same. There's so many different things and you have to track it. And what I love actually is your book, you've got a lot of different graphs and you've got resources as well that you actually and they're very like you can see your kind of engineering background that are so well put together, <laughs> but yeah. they make sense. You're you're actually because some of the things that are out there, they're really just so much, they overwhelm you and they're complex, but you've kind of broken them down into different kinds of areas that make them digestible. Yeah, that was really my my hope. And I still, I could simplify it a little bit even more, I think. I, I always play with the relationship between the complex and the simple. But I look at this like, how can I help people think through those those pieces. And if you go to my website, the family flywheel, then you can go and look at, you can download the resources, download the forms, and then go through it a step at a time. What is, what is my mission? What am I trying to accomplish in life? Right. If you don't know where you're going, no one can help you get there. And that's what I've seen with so many people. They're miserable at work. And yet you ask them, well, what do you, what would you do if you didn't have, a, have to work? Well, I don't know. Well then shut up, right? Figure out your, your crap first. Because I've seen other people where they've been like, I know where I want to go. They have a mission. They have a purpose. And when they talk to people, then I, I don't know how you are, but that's how I am. Is like, oh, here's where you want to go. Oh, I know this person. You should read this book. I will help you get there because you're going. And I feel like it's kind of like Google. If you go to Google and you type Google Maps and you don't type in an area, like, where do you want to go? I don't know. It can't direct you because you're not, you don't know where you want to go. But if you, as soon as you say... I want to go here. It'll give you directions. And if you change your mind halfway through, that's fine. It'll tell you how to get to the new place. And that's where I see almost all successful people are actually very giving for the people who are trying to actually do the work, right? Who are do, having the business model. But it's the people who are like, well, I just want to be rich. Okay. Rich wealth is a byproduct of a business model that's good. It is not just a thing you get. And you see people, you talked about it earlier, but I talk about a story in my book, this woman who got given $20 million when she was 18. And she's now on her 
fourth or fifth marriage. She's now bought and destroyed many companies. She's had to get more loans. And you're going, man, $20 million, isn't it great? Yeah, but she doesn't have an engine to put the money in. She doesn't have a business model and therefore screwed. So I, I have these, it's kind of like helping people with the book resources. Here's the form. What is your business model? What is your what is your strategy? What's your structure? What is your culture? And seeing if you can see like, yeah, I want to be a doctor, but I do not want to sit around for 10 years. I don't have delayed gratification. I want results now. Then don't do it, dude. Don't do it. <laughs> right. That's where I'm trying to help with that. As well as you'll see, you know, if you were married, you can go fill out the business model form and have your wife do it. And then you can look overlap. Are, are our goals aligned? Because in a business, if we have, you know, if I'm saying in five years, I want to sell this company and you say, I want to do this company for the rest of my life, there's an alignment issue. And so a lot of it, what we see, what I'm seeing in families is there's just, we don't, the, the parents don't have good business models or they don't align them. And then they have conflict. How should we spend money? Should we invest in real estate? Should we go buy podcasting equipment? Should we go on vacation? Well, I don't know. She wants to do one thing. I want to do another. And we have no shared direction. So that's where I try to do it, like break it down. Look at what are your goals in terms of resources? What do you want in terms of uh, your financial, social, and human capital at the end of your life? And so those are really the things I'm trying to do is help people look at it holistically. Because if you look at business holistically, it's very easy to see what needs to get done. And I think if you look at family holistically, you see the same result. It's, it, it's easy once you know how to look at it. It's very difficult if you don't understand the system. Well, absolutely. And I mean, if you look at, I mean, the reality is you're planning your life, you're planning your family, you're planning everything you're doing. But if you look, people don't do that. But what they, when they do that is when they're going on vacation, they will try everything. Some people break it down to every day. We're doing this, we're doing, we're going to this excursion, we're going there, we're doing this trip. They're buying a car, they'll spend a whole month looking at a thousand cars. You ask them, what about your plan for your life? And you get, you know, dazzled rabbit in a headlight like and it's like and it should be the other way around you put your energy you you achieve the life that that you want by actually focusing on what's important to you and putting your energy towards that and they're all connected you can't just go this money it has to be helped the whole lot have to be connected because one feeds mm -hmm. the other well yeah that's that's what i liked richard like uh robert kiyosaki's rich dad poured out in the game cash flow I liked it in the money sense because it helps you understand the movement, right? Here's how the money moves. But I found in my own personal life, when I made an investment in 2007 before the real estate crisis and then had this real estate downturn and ended up with a quarter of a million dollars extra debt, I realized he, even though that may have been the right financial decision, I wasn't taking into account my own mental health, right? My parents came, I was, I was pretty hard on myself because I was like, my job is to be a provider and a protector. And I just compromised my family and maybe even my home with this stupid decision. So even though a lot of the financial advisors will tell you, don't pay off debt, you know, keep it in the stock market. Here's how you do it. To me, paying off debt was a bad quote unquote financial decision, but a phenomenal life decision. And that's why I kind of like to, I love Kiyosaki stuff, but I think it needs to be opened up a little bit to understand, yeah, but what about your mental health? What about your family? And what about your relationships? And what about the things you're really trying to accomplish in your life? Because I wanted to take risks in business, but I was taking risks in real estate at the same time, which then destabilized me and made me so I couldn't take the business risks. So then my wife and I were like, let's pay off all our debt, get into a position where you can take riskier jobs that have a bigger upside, but potentially a, a, a strong downside. And it ended up working out well for us because we were intentional. And I don't say these things, you know, to, to position myself above anyone. When I was young, I don't know how you were. When I first got married, it was like, freak, how am I actually going to survive? It was a business startup. We need to get money. Oh, freak, we're spending money. How does this all work? Oh, now we have children. Oh, there was a lot of chaos there. It's hard when you're young to have all this mission-driven and those type of things. But as I got older, then I started to realize a lot of those goals. So that's where I think it's important. Like in the short term, yeah, you're always going to have changing destinations. Your mission should change. Kind of your goals should change. But at least you should have one so that you and your spouse or you alone, if you're not married, are making the choices that are leading you to the life you want versus just conforming to what society says you should want. 
definitely. And with me, I had like built a lot of properties and I was involved in a load of syndicates and I went that I was personally liable for 5 million euro. And yeah, yeah, exactly. I did it. I did it really right. I lost everything, lost my houses, I lost my personal belongings. But I was on a different route then. And it was like, I was trying to build this massive thing. And, you know, it was like the toys were important to me. No, it's like, it's family is way more important. I mean, buying a new car, not car works perfect. Why would I change it? That's the way I look at different things. I prefer take my son. Like I took him uh, last year to Tallinn, Mind Valley University for a month to just experience that kind of atmosphere. And that's, that's the same as what you would lose on a car. And that's why I see it. It's mm-hmm. like, and you just make different decisions. And I mean, we've all been not through life. I mean, we've talked about both of our friends, what we've seen and everything. We we understand we get curveballs, but it's like that doesn't define who you are. And you can just change it in the morning and you go, all right, my life went shift. This happened. Okay, how do I actually make a life that I want? And you just start, you know, you just get the wheel together and it all starts kind of what you, you know, you put out front of you. That's the, it's like the road, as you mentioned, the Google Maps. I actually want to go here. You know, and you start going in that direction and life starts kind of building as you go along and you start appreciating life and enjoying life a hundred times more. Well, yeah, and that's where you say you learn so much as you go down the road of life, right? I mean, I started as mechanical engineering and I honestly loved it. I loved aspects, but it didn't have the whole system. I like the whole picture. That's why I went. So I don't, it's not about, going in the correct direction, kind of the business model. There's no quote unquote right life for everyone, but it's, you should be going hard in a direction, right? If you, if Google maps is saying you should be going North, go North fast. Don't be like, well, I'm going at one mile an hour. Yeah. I'm going to do this. It's like invest yourself and go hard because you may find out you don't want to go North, but the only way to find that out is by going a little bit that direction. you're like, wow, it's a lot colder up here. Well, this sucks. I want to go south. In fact, I want to go down to warmer climate. So this is the place where life is about learning, but you need to learn and go at it fast. And you can't sit there as a, I think so many people feel like they're kind of passengers in their own life. Like, well, I didn't choose this. Well, my mom told me to do this and I'm not happy now. So it's her fault. Well, my dad told me to do this. It's his fault. That's why I like this, the idea of you need to make your choices and you need to decide for yourself, which is painful. It's hard because if you ask people, what is your what is your mission or purpose in life? I think most people go, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't have one. So thinking through that, also thinking through your values. You know, do you value money over relationships? And I think just thinking through some of those things helps you understand yourself. And then you can also look at, well, why do I value maybe money over relationships? And I've seen women who have one one friend of ours, she valued money over relationships. She married a guy who was gone all the time, had lots of money though, and then he cheated on her and then they got divorced, right? So that value, you're like, ooh, maybe you shouldn't have valued that. Maybe that's a bad value system if you want a stable family. Now, if you just want money, that situation may have worked out okay for her. So that's that's the stuff where I think it's it's just holistically understanding the variables to create our lives and make those choices and also be aware. Like I did something similar that you did with my son. I did, I taught him calculus when he was in ninth grade because there was this weird situation. For two months, every other day, teaching him. It, it cost me in terms of my earning power, probably 10 grand. But would I take it back for the money? No, the relationship that I built, the skills that we built, all those things were so, I mean, it was stressful, but it was also fun and it's memorable. And those are the things where we often don't value those relationships as much. And then in, at the end of the, at the end of our lives, we realize, I wish I would have invested, especially as your kids are getting older. You know, I have a, two of my kids are out of the house and I'm like, oh my gosh, in a year or two, I'm going to have no children at home. The investing time in my children is over. I can have a limited influence past here. So it's kind of making sure that you're doing the right thing at the right time for your business model. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, just just, just finally, because with with the book, the reviews, because I always, you know, I, I like looking, it's all 
all positive reviews that the, the book has got. And the fact that I've seen the resources, you know, because there's the, the, the page. It's not just a one page little cheat that you're giving. You're giving a load of resources with a lot of pages to read and everything. And it's very relevant what you've got. So uh, you might let people know where they can find it and where else they can contact you. Yeah, so the book, The Family Flywheel, is on Amazon. I have a website, thefamilyflywheel.com. It's got book resources. It's got a blog. If you'd like to contact me directly through email, Aaron at thefamilyflywheel.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Aaron K. Shelley, or on uh, Facebook as well, Aaron K. Shelley. But I'm, I've seen it. I've seen it work. I use it in my own life. That's why I'm like, I love interacting and helping people. So if there's anything I can do for you or any of your listeners, please let me know so I can go through that. My my belief is that families are the pillars of our society, essentially holding up this Coliseum. And we've kind of knocked down some of them. But if we knock down too many, I think we may have a societal collapse. So that's really my my big thing I'm working towards is how do we make stronger families? Beautiful. Yeah, perfect. Listen, Aaron, totally enjoyed our conversation. And make sure I put the links both on the audio and the video. Thank you. This is great, Roy. Um, so that's all for the Awakening Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org or on BitChute. And this one can go on YouTube because it's grand. We didn't touch about anything dodgy, so it's all good. And uh, you find my other podcasts along with the coaching on buy.link forward slash podcast. Or should it give us a thumbs up, five star rating. And if you get the book, make sure that you give them a five star review as well. It really helps with uh, more sales. Until next week, take care.